Hello, welcome back to another podcast. This is the In God She Trust podcast. I am Kitri, and I'm so very excited that you have joined me yet again. We are in our study of Matthew, and today we are tackling chapter seven. Yes, I have given myself the challenge of once again hitting an entire chapter. We will see how that goes. We all kind of know how that goes. But before but before I get into everything, um, just a couple announcements. This is going to be the last week for a while of the Matthew study. Just stuff with life and my jobs um, is going to be taking up a ton of my time. And What's been happening is I, I have to feel like I have to scramble and rush in order to get these studies together. And I really want to make sure that I give it its due diligence and that I'm really putting all of my focus in it. So we're just going to be pausing the study on Matthew for a little bit and then hopefully starting it back up in the summer. But with my dance teaching job, um, I've got competitions and recitals and performances and stuff coming up that I'm going to be out of town for. And it's just going to be really hard to get all of this done on top of my, you know, music teaching job and um, everything else that we Um, that I am doing. So it's just, it's just been a lot, but we are still going to continue to do the In God She Trust podcast with Tasha and Mandy. Um, I know you guys have been following along and thank you so much to those of you who have followed and liked and subscribed. We are now, we now have listeners in Canada and in Germany, which is crazy to me. So if you are in Canada and Germany, thank you so very much. And of course, our U.S. listeners, we love you as well. It's just crazy when, you know, our little podcast from a small town of 7,000 people goes to Germany or Canada or other places. So I just feel very, very blessed that, um, that it's gone as far as it has. So also we have a website now, you guys, like we're hanging with the big leagues. So the website is in God, she trusts.com and, um, it's still kind of in the works and we're putting some things together, but you can shop our merch on our website and you can kind of, uh, scroll through it and just kind of get an idea of, you know, who we are, what we are, our mission statement, stuff like that. So go ahead over to ingodshetrust.com and just kind of check us out a little bit. And then of course, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, like, and subscribe to this podcast, leave us a five-star review and just, um, yeah, just we, we like to put out prayer requests and scripture and just really uplifting. And we just like bringing the word of God to everybody. So I feel very, very blessed for all of our followers that we have right now. And I'm just very grateful to you. All right, y'all, let's get into it. Matthew 7, the entire chapter. Hold on to your butts. (laughs) It says, judge not that you will not be judged. For with that judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine 
lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me, in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and the beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as scribes. All right, so I feel like a good place to start is at the beginning, obviously. The very first verse, judge not that you be not judged. That is probably, in my opinion, one of the most quoted verses in the Bible um, of people trying to make a statement or plead their case. Um, have you ever, um, I don't know, say someone was talking to you or you were talking to somebody else or maybe, I don't know, maybe you got in like a Facebook fight with somebody and you maybe brought up, you know, how to be holy or righteous or whatnot. And somebody's like, oh, well, the Bible says judge not and you will not be judged. I don't know where that voice came from. My apologies. Um, but I feel like that is a huge verse, particularly used by unbelievers or non um, Jesus followers, um, when people have, or Christians specifically have, 
um, tried to lead them into the light, quote unquote. So it's definitely one of like one of the verses that can get very controversial. So I'm going to do my best to do my best. So in order to understand what this is saying, we have to put it in context. We can't just pluck out verse one where it says, judge not that you will not be judged because then we could throw that to anything, right? says, judge not that you will not be judged for with that judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at the plank in your own eye? Hypocrite. Bingo. That's the word right there. Hypocrisy. Hypocrite. So this passage Jesus is not saying never judge. He's not saying you can never judge. That's not what it's saying at all. Okay. If we, if we were to jump forward four books to John 7, 24, it says to judge with right judgment and not on appearances. So our judgment should be focused on redemption. Period. Right. It, it shouldn't be focused on, oh, that person looks like this or yada, yada. I mean, we, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. So, you know, it's, it's not saying that we should never, ever judge, but we need to make sure that it's done with righteous judgment. Okay. Our judgment should be biblical. It should point to Jesus. And if our judgment does not point to Jesus, we have screwed up. Okay. Um, we should not judge to shame others or humiliate them or to make ourselves seem like a higher, more holy person. That is not the point ever. And if we do that, if we, if we do it to bring shame on somebody or to humiliate, usually we do that because we see something in somebody else that usually is in us as well. Usually we kind of go after somebody else because they have something we see in them that we also have in ourselves. I'm not saying that's always the case, but I know a lot of times where I've kind of gone after somebody and it's just because they either, they, they kind of twist an insecurity of mine or, you know, there's something going on in me that's wrong. So I want to get away from it. So I point it on somebody else. Like, okay, for example, I don't know if any of you have been like cheated on by like a previous boyfriend or something like that. I know this just took a weird turn, but stay with me. Okay. Um, for example, like I had a boyfriend that cheated on me a lot. And before I found out about it, he was always accusing me of cheating. And it was because he had that guilt and that insecurity of what he was doing. So he kind of flipped it around and pushed it on me right? It's kind of the same concept. And I know I might be overreaching a little bit, but that's just kind of where my brain went to in order to understand it. Okay. So that's, that's my brain. But like it says in verse three through five, it's like our judgment cannot be hypocritical. Okay. If we have this big old wood plank stuck in our eye, we can't be like, oh, you got a little sawdust in your eye. You should really get that out. But we completely are blind to our own faults and our own sin. 
So we can't point out somebody else's sin when we have the same sin. If we are not leading a life pointed toward God in righteousness and holiness, then we have no right to try to lead anyone else towards God or holiness because it is the blind leading the blind. Right? I mean, we've all heard that saying before. Oh, it's just like the blind leading the blind. Because when that means we when we are like, you know, trying to get somebody else to holiness and we have the exact same sin, we are going to cause others to stumble and fall along with ourselves. And we won't save them. We won't push them towards righteousness. We will just drag them down with us. Right? So when we are are judging people, it needs to be with love. It needs to be righteous. It needs to be holy. And it, if we're going to go and talk to somebody about something, we need to first look and be like, okay, is there anything in my life that I am doing that is exactly like this or a form of this, right? It might not be, you know, blatant exactly, but it could be a different form of it, right? So like if you, if you see your friend who's like laundering money from a business, um, you might not be laundering money from a business, but you, you know, might be, you know, screaming at the Starbucks lady because she quote unquote got your drink wrong just so you can get another one for free. Kind of the same deal. You know what I mean? So, and once again, like when I say you or we, I totally mean me as well. So don't think that I'm like yelling at y'all. You know, this is something that, you know, God has convicted me with and I'll never get on this podcast and, you know, start preaching at you guys and not look at the plank in my own eye. Right. Um, You know, I got to practice what I preach. So I'm going to be doing my best with that. So our sin needs to be removed from our own life before we can point out the sin in somebody else's life. Now, this does not mean that we have to be perfect. I want to be a I don't want to be a perfect woman. I want to be a progressing woman. It is always about progress and not perfection. I tell my students this all the time. And if we are struggling with something, we need to seek God in help. And he like what what we do not reveal, we will not heal. What we do not reveal, we cannot heal. So if we don't reveal a problem we've been having, we're not going to be able to heal. It's not just going to heal magically on our own. God will not bless what we are fake with. He won't. And so if we are struggling with addiction or, I don't know, theft or who knows, put whatever in there, we need to seek God and go for it for that. His grace is sufficient for us. There is no amount of crap, and I think I've said this a bunch of times, there is no amount of crap that we have that he cannot handle and that his grace will not go to. There is no dark pit that we can get ourselves into that the light of the Lord will not find us. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you. Yes, you, you with all of your crap and your addictions and your whatever, his grace is sufficient for all of us. All of us, not just those who go to church, not just those who do and say the right thing, all of us, okay? 
Um, then it goes on into verse six that says, do not give to what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine. So remember back in these days, um, pigs were considered an unclean animal. So what I think this is telling us here is we should not give what is holy to those who are unholy and unwilling to listen. Um, you kind of know that like pigs will eat everything and can eat everything so if we cast something beautiful and holy to to the swine they don't care what it is they're gonna eat it up anyways and destroy it anyways and same thing kind of goes with people you know um especially those who don't want to listen about christianity or don't want to listen about god or don't want to listen to jesus we have to be wise on what we say or teach and to to whom Right. I mean, yes, we want to be effective for the kingdom of God and we need to share the gospel. But what this is saying here is we need to be decisive. And sometimes it's not um, prevalent. I think I think that's the word for it. I don't know. But um, because sometimes they'll just tear everything we say to shreds and rip us to pieces. I mean, it literally it literally literally says and turn and tear you into pieces. So we just need to be smart and kind of discern what to say here. Now, another really good place in scripture where this points to is in Matthew 10, 16. So flip there with me. And if you don't have your Bibles, that's okay because I have mine and I'm just going to read it to you right now. So it says, behold, I send to you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. All right. So we are sheep. That means, you know, that we are followers of our shepherd. We are the product of our shepherd. We are holy. Um, but he's sending us out in the midst of wolves. And wolves like sheep. They like to eat them. They like to tear them apart. They like to hunt them and go after them. So in this world, we are going to be sheep among wolves. We're going to be... Um, I don't want to say unprotected because we are protected by the Lord, but we are we are exposed and we have a target on our back. Okay, but he says, therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. It says in Genesis that the serpent was the most cunning of all of the animals. It says they're smart. They're wise. He Satan thinks through everything. Serpents are cunning, smart analytical, methodical. We need to be like that as sheep. We need to make sure we are being wise, that we are thinking things through, not being sly and evil and greedy, but we need to be cunning and we need to be wise. But then we also need to be as harmless as doves. I think that's where, you know, showing the light and the love of the Lord comes in. We can be both at the same time. We can be honest and truthful and good and loving at the same time, being cunning, smart, and methodical. And I think that that is what this verse 6 says in Matthew 7. All right, moving on to... Um, Verse seven and eight, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be opened. In my personal opinion, this entire statement is saying seek God constantly. Sorry, my dog just jumped up on the bed. I don't know if you heard that, but 
he, yeah, he just jumped up on the bed. So if you heard his like clinking of his tags, that's why. One time I was getting ready to leave for a cruise in the Bahamas and I needed my passport and I tore my apartment apart for hours and I could not find my passport. And I searched and searched and searched until I found that document because I was leaving in two weeks and there was no way I was gonna get another passport. And I was like, I need this vacation. I need the beach. I need the sun. I have got to get this. So I tore it apart. And to me, we need to seek after God like I sought after my passport. It's not just an ask once and it will be given to you or just look once for 20 minutes or knock once. I think it is a constant, consistent persistent seeking after God, asking him for, um, for wisdom, for love, for guidance, knocking, just seeking after God constantly. And it's, it it might take time in order to get it because, you know, maybe we need to build a habit out of seeking the Lord instead of seeking our own understanding. And it is a constant everyday thing that we need to make sure we are, we are running after the Lord. And then it goes on, it says, what man among you, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? And then further down, it says, if you then being evil, because we are evil, we are a sinful, evil people, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven uh, give good things to those who ask him? I mean, my parents, especially my mom, her love language is gift giving. So she gives good gifts. Like she does research. She looks for everything. And I mean, I don't have kids, but I know I have, I have friends who have kids and they, they, they want to give their children good gifts and good things and a value in their life. How much more does our father want to give us good gifts and not just like the new iPhone. We're talking like big kingdom stuff. Our God wants to give us huge and amazing gifts and he is the gift giver. So he knows how to give us good value in our lives. And then it says, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, you also do to them. This is where we get the golden rule from, you know, do unto others as you want men to do unto you. And, um, you know, this is stated very, very positively. Um, Jesus, you know, made it really, really significant. And it's not hard to us from a friend from like hurting others, but it's more hard to take initiative and doing something good for other people. So the golden rule, as Jesus formulated it, is like a really good basis of just love. And goodness, and we just make, need to make sure that we do to others, you know, what we want to do, um, what others would want, what we, oh my gosh, what we would want others to do for us. Okay, moving on to verse 15, it, it's talking about false prophets and false teachers. And false prophets and teachers were very, very common back in these times, and they're very, very common today. I mean, 
I'm pretty sure all throughout history, false teachers are very, very common. And prophets and teachers, uh, false prophets and teachers commonly spoke to what people wanted to hear or like what the government liked. You know, they kind of were like bullied into saying what the government liked or, you know, people like, oh, I don't like hearing about that. So they they would um, constantly reform what they spoke about. But then they were like, oh, yeah, this was from God. And it clearly was not. I mean, I can think of several big mega church pastors who are massively false prophets and i'm pretty sure everyone is thinking of the exact same one i am yeah S- rhymes with bowl you know that's his first name rhymes with bowl but uh, i don't want to get sued so i'm not going to say it but Um, you know, we have to be very, very careful who we listen to and we have to see if the, if their life bears good fruit and by bearing good fruit, that does not mean wealth at all. They're like, oh, well, he's a pastor and he, he, he must be a good one because he makes tons of money. No, it does not mean he is wealthy. Okay. Whatsoever. Or she is wealthy. Okay. Wealth has absolutely nothing to do with God anointing you. Don't even go there, okay? But it's the fruits, the character of their life. Is it good or bad? There are, are, they, are they schemy? Are they grimy? Or are they honest and true? And a lot of times, um, you know, we listen to like these big, big false prophets, um, you know, and, and like mega church pastors. And like there are some mega church pastors who like, we, you know, like have big, big churches that are good teachers, they are. I'm not saying that if, you know, it just because you maybe listen to like a really nice podcast and he's a mega church pastor, I'm not saying that he's a false teacher, but we have to make sure that the words are good and truthful centered around God. So like, do the words sound good and glorious, but it's motivated by money and power. I cannot stand it when I listen to like a, a pastor tell you know preach the word and then after he's like and if you want anointing on your life you need to donate to our church 42 dollars and 40 cents and in 42 minutes you're gonna have a blessing given from god that is the biggest bunch of crap ever because that is clearly motivated by money and also the word of god is not ear candy it doesn't tickle our ears. I mean, yes, it is the, the basis of the word is God is good, but there's some stuff that is hard to hear in the Bible. So if they're always preaching and teaching what sounds good and makes you feel good and it never really convicts you or provokes you to change in order to be holy, it's probably false. But if it if it changes your theology and it makes you look at who you are and what you need to change... And in order to be a good, holy, righteous person, not to change, you know, to to glorify yourself, but to glorify God, because everything should glorify God. We need to just make sure that we are careful who we listen to. Okay, that's all I'm going to say on that. Now, this next verse um, where it talk, you know, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. This is like the verse that used to give me heart palpitations and especially the verse that um, it says in verse 23, I'll declare to them, I never knew you go away from me, you who are lawless. Like this used to give me heart palpitations because I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I get to heaven and God's like, "Mm, sorry, I never knew you away from me. It would, it would freak me out. And that is a heavy, this is a heavy passage right here. Um, 
And I had to do some like soul searching, like, okay, what, what does he mean? What does he mean? And so ultimately what it comes down to in this passage, the people he's talking about are the people who can talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. The same as of people who claim to know God, but their heart isn't his. They might sound really good. They might pray really good. They might be able to do really cool religious things and works, but they have not submitted their heart and their life to him. And that was very, very common in back in Jesus's day of the Pharisees. And the Sadducees is they knew all the religious stuff to do. They prayed with all the big words. They did all the religious acts. They were like the holy ones who could go into the temple and yada, yada, yada. But they didn't get it in their heart. And that is what God is talking about here. he, He wants your heart. I say that all the time and I probably sound like a broken record right now, but he wants our heart. And if we don't have our heart, if we get to heaven, he'll be like, I never knew you. And in, in him, if we were that those people who our heart was not given to them, he does not see us redeemed by God. He just sees the dirt and the blackness that sin gives. Because when, when, when God looks at believers, those who have submitted their heart and their life to Christ, all he sees is the crimson blood of Jesus and a whitewashed soul. He sees nothing else. Without our hearts and our lives being submitted to Jesus, he sees everything dark. And we he, he cannot be in the presence of anything unholy. And so that is when we are cast into the fire. I mean, that's what it says earlier you know, that where it says, you know, um, trees who do not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. It's that same kind of principle in my head. It's the same kind of principle. So I really had to look and be like, okay, is my heart fully submitted to the Lord? Is my life fully submitted to the Lord? And I can, I could honestly say in some parts of my life, no, Was I a believer and did I like believe in Jesus? Yes. But like there were parts of my life that you could not tell I was a Christian. And there were times in my life where my heart was not the Lord's and my life was not the Lord's. And I'm, and it it took looking back at some of that stuff for me to realize I need to kind of get my poop in a group. And I'm not saying that Jesus would reject me if I got there because, you know, we all fall away. Um, You know, sometimes we're the prodigal son, son, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I was just living in such a way that was not glorifying to God and clearly did not show that uh, Christ was in my heart. But we just need to kind of check our own selves and check our motives and make sure that our heart is in the right place and that our heart belongs to the Lord. Moving on in verse 24, he goes to talk about the wise men who built his house on the rock and You know, when the rain came and the wind and everything, the house stood. But then there was another man who built his house on the sand. And when the wind and the rain and everything came, it it, it blew the house down. And this is two separate systems. One is the, the world system and one is God's system. And God has been called forever the rock, right? 
So we need to make sure that we are being those wise men, that we build our house, our life, our foundation on the rock of Jesus Christ and God and his glory. So when when rain and trials and tribulations and the devil and the world come and we, we feel like we might be up to our head in floodwaters and everything is just kind of blowing at us every which way and it just feels like we're just being beaten down we will not fall because we are founded in the one true God the one who will never fail the one who is constantly the same God forever and ever if we are of the world system, we will be tossed and turned and bruised and beaten and we will fall and we will be discouraged and we will we will die figuratively or literally by putting our faith in the world system. I mean, just look at what is going on in the world with the world today. I mean, so much money put so much people put their, you know, faith in money or or stocks or the economy and it's you never know if it's going to be good one day and down the next and we could be tossed and turned and bruised and beaten and that is the world system is us building our house on the sand that it that it has no foundation it when one small rain speck comes or you know a big storm comes that will just crash and burn but in Jesus Christ in God we will not crash we will not fall we will stand firm and it is his principles and his truth and his righteousness that we need to, to build our entire life around. He will never fail. He will never change forever and ever. He is the same. Do you guys know that song? Um, Oh man, what is it? Upon the solid rock I stand. Something, something is sinking sand. I don't know, but that like that's the song that that came to mind. For on this solid rock I stand. That's what it is. Yeah, it's a it's a really good song. <sighs> so the world will fail us, God will not. That was the the basis of my entire um preaching there. <laughs> And then it says, and so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority because he has all authority and not as the scribes. The scribes were, you know, wishy-washy, you have to do this. And, you know, they, they judged with, with hypocrisy and he had authority and people were just astonished at the things that he spoke because they it, it went against a lot of the stuff that they had come to know and the same is you know today though the world is something that's really really easy to go into but Christ's world is something different as it says in verse 13 Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in it. Coming to Christ is going in the narrow gate. Now, the gate says it's narrow. It does not say it's impossible because it is possible. But the wide gate is usually the gate of the world or the easy way. And it's usually the gate that most people go through. And we need to make sure that we go to the narrow gate. It says the narrow gate is difficult. God's ways are difficult. 
compared to the world. It's not what the world teaches. It's not what the world likes. It's the world pushes back on it. Satan pushes back on it. But it is the only one that leads to life, eternal life, life in heaven, in perfection with Jesus. And it says there are few who find it. That tells me that it is the, the, the path that we need to point people to. Because the few who find it, I mean, that's sad. There are few who find it. What about all those people who walk through that big gate? That's sad because a lot of times it's not their fault. It's just what they know and what they've been taught. So we need to make sure that we teach the light and the love of Christ with discerning, cunning, and love in it. We have to make sure that we're being smart and we're not just throwing our pearls to the swine. Okay, we are sheep among wolves, but we can bring others to Christ. And if you are listening to this podcast right now and you don't know if your heart is submitted to the Lord and if you get to heaven and you're not sure if the Lord will welcome you in or say away with me or if you're if you've been walking with the crowd towards the big wide open gate and you need to get on the narrow one, it's not impossible It's actually quite simple to get on the narrow path to righteousness. There's only one way to live eternally with God. And that is believing in Jesus. He is the only way to heaven. Because only he died for our sins. And he wiped us clean. And made us righteous before God. Living his way is not popular. It's tough. And sometimes it almost feels impossible, but he always gives us a way. He doesn't want you to go the way of the world of the big gate. He wants you on his path to him because he does not want to say away from me. I never knew you. He wants to embrace you when you get to heaven and he wants you to have eternal life. So if you have not made that decision to come to Christ yet and you want to this is your chance right now like take you can take this step with me you might be listening to this in your cubicle or in your car or in your house cleaning because that's when I listen to podcasts you know and it's as easy as just acknowledging him and just speaking it out loud so we're gonna pray and if you want to be invited into that prayer. Just just speak these words with me because it will not be a bad decision. It will be the greatest decision you ever made. I mean, it, it took me from going down the path of the world and, and being a slave to sin and, and feeling constantly insecure and shameful and guilty to, you know, making me confident and, and knowing that I am loved and that he loves me so much. I mean, I'm doing a podcast and I'm in a women's ministry. I never thought I would be here, but it is only because it is true. So if you want to accept Jesus and you want to be welcomed into heaven and you want to go down that narrow pathway and you want to build your house upon the rock, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your sacrifice on the cross. 
I believe that you lived and you died and that you rose again for me and that I am covered in your blood and washed white and that you make me righteous. Jesus, I pray that you become Lord of my life. Come, take over my heart, take over my spirit, take over my soul, take over my mind. I believe that you are Lord and I give you my life. I love you, Lord. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I am so proud of you. And the Bible tells us that heaven goes insane with celebration when you give your life over to the Lord. Just one person, heaven goes crazy over. And if you are a brand new baby Christian or you just need somewhere to go, send me an email at... um, igstrusts at gmail.com. I would love to help you on your new walk with Christ. I'm so proud of you and I love you all so much. Thank you for being with me. This is, I mean, I just feel that someone was just freed by sin, that their shackles were just pulled off. And I'm just so incredibly proud and thankful to the Lord for this opportunity. And I am so proud of you and I love you all so much. I will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for joining me. See you later.